Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Tom Daly and this is Made With Love. As a pro diver, I thought I knew all about making the thing you love the thing you do. But en route to the Olympic podium, I found a new passion outside of the pool that helped me unlock my power within it. That passion was knitting. And you may think this sounds bonkers, but I believe knitting made me an Olympic champion. I've since swapped swimming trunks for slip stitches, pikes for patterns and chlorine for cables. Knitting is a huge part of my life now, and I'm determined to help others do more of what they love too. So each week, a brilliant guest will be joining me to talk about turning passion into purpose, how they've made the thing they love a central part of what they do, and crucially, what lessons they've learned along the way. Hi, it's Tom here. So happy to have you back with me for another episode of Made With Love. Today's guest has changed the game when it comes to the thing she loves. Not only is she the fastest British woman ever, but in 2018, she was also the fastest woman in the world across 200 metres. Dina Asher-Smith was also the first British woman to win a world title in either the 100 or 200 metre sprint. And incredibly, she won the gold in 100, 200 and 4 by 100 relay at one European Championships. But it's not only on the athletic track that she's blazed a new trail. A Barbie doll has also been made in her likeness. She's modelled on the Paris catwalk, appeared in one of Dave's music videos and she has a first class degree in history. Dina also has one of the biggest and brightest smiles in sport and a personality to match. We've crossed paths a couple of times and it's always a joy. So I can't wait to get into the nitty gritty with her now. Let's dive in, shall we? If we take it right back to the start of Dina Asher-Smith's career, did you always love running? Like, how did it all start for you? It started for me with wanting to be an Olympian. I remember watching the Athens Olympics in 2004 and seeing Kelly Holmes do really well. And I just kind of was like, I was eight. So I was like, what's that? And I was asking my parents and they were describing the concept of the Olympics and then like elite sport and all of that. And I just really fell in love with the idea of like, every few years the best in the world at something get together and they just see who's the best I've always been like uber competitive (laughs) one of those people so to me I just thought that was really fun and um, I didn't quite know what I wanted to do I just knew that I was sporty and I tried loads of things but I wanted to like try and go to the Olympics so when I was younger I was like swimming I did board diving I was no no I was it was fun, but it wasn't for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll let you off. I'll let you off. <laughs> no, I really- 
really enjoyed it. We did like, I did it with one of my best friends, Sophie. We did springboard. We did like the five and the 10. I remember I stopped when we got to the bit where we had to do a handstand. And then, oh, like, wow. So go you got off. quite far no, in diving. No, we did. We did. Wow. And Sophie, yeah. And Sophie and I, we were just like, when we started to have to do like handstands against the wall for like, a while we were yeah. like i was like you know what mate my head hurts this is hard <laughs> tell me about it tell me about it i, I spent like, my whole I'm life up- doing handstands <laughs> i was like i'm upside down for a long time you know what this might be the end for me yeah i got the funny yeah. thing is when you say about watching kelly holmes in 2004 my my start to diving was very similar with that i remember watching the athens 2004 olympics watching leon taylor and peter waterfield in the diving and i was like i want to do that i want to win the olympic medal i want to go to the olympics and it's one of those things that you do it at the beginning and it's all very fun and you really love the social aspect to it as well. Like, What was it about running that drew you away from sports like diving? <laughs> sports like diving, yeah. I used to do hockey, I used to do loads. Um, I think it was more sprinting. I really enjoyed like the idea that the gun goes and you just give it your absolute all. Like, Of course, there's things to think about. There's things that you've got to get right and it is very precise, but... I remember I did cross country. There was no like mud and cold and pacing yourself. <laughs> oh no, not for me. But um, yeah, I just love the idea that when it's time to go, like you really just have to give it your all and like there's nowhere to hide with sprinting. So if you haven't done the work, you haven't done the training or you get something wrong, you can very much see it. And I think there's almost something very honest to to kind of having a sport like that. And I just really liked it. Like, And I found out that I was quite fast and I was fortunate enough to, when I was younger, be in just like a really nice, friendly environment for young athletes where you'd come when you were younger. It was about the social. It was about turning up and having a chat with your friends, trying out all the events, doing the different stuff. But then the next thing in like six months time, next thing you find out, oh my gosh, I'm actually really fast now. Then you're like, oh, wait, 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 wait. Okay, I'm going to London Youth Games. It's like, okay, I'm going to represent my county. And it's like, okay, I made the country team. And but I was just having a lot of fun with training. So that's how I really got into it. I also think back to primary school when we used to do like sports days and things like that. It must have been like a very surreal thing that all of a sudden you were doing sports days and you like go and you're like already at the other end of the field. And was, was it like that or was it a bit more balanced when you were really young? I think like I was always quick, but I do remember like there was other quick people in my primary school. So it wasn't necessarily like, Oh, about me I went to quite a yeah I think there was quite a few people that were like half decent so um it wasn't just me so sports day was like more of a genuinely competitive affair I think (laughs) I also think there was a moment in my diving career where I remember very distinctly that it changed from like an after school club that was kind of fun and I enjoyed to it becoming a serious like oh I'm actually quite good at this and I think I could actually maybe become an Olympian and not just be a dream it could actually be a reality is there a distinct moment in your career where you know that switch flipped for you yeah I think mine was actually quite late so my flip switched ironically when I was already a junior international I was already a professional like I already had sponsors and stuff and it was only when I went to the Moscow World Championships when I was like 17 and we came away with a relay medal then I was nominated for Young Spotty and stuff like that and up until that point I'd always seen track and field as something that was great and I loved but something that would hopefully like springboard me into other stuff like maybe going to the uni that I wanted to go to or like opening other doors in that way but when yeah I started to be seen at I guess a different level and I started to do stuff that really 
in the nicest way kind of hadn't really been done weren't that common to do or hadn't really been done before I kind of talked to myself and was like you know if you apply yourself you really could make this a career and it wasn't necessarily that I didn't think I was good it's just it's truly so hard to make a career out of track and field like there are so many phenomenal athletes that like are infinitely talented work so hard but unless you're like one two three in the entire world there's like not a living to be made so um, it was always like do you think you can make it when it comes to the seniors to be like one of the fastest women of all time and so that did take understandably a bit longer yeah I <laughs> to, mean, to yeah. see. <laughs> it's also such a flex to be able to say that you're like the fastest woman in Britain like that's like <laughs> that is you could like challenge any person that you see to a race and you're gonna beat him like that must be <laughs> that's like that's a pretty epic thing to be able to say I mean like with diving it's like you know oh yeah maybe I'm good at diving but like challenging people to diving it's like not everybody knows how to do it but everybody knows how to run so yeah, everybody does know how to run it's quite universal yeah. yeah to be fair it's quite cool I think mainly the thing that normally um is in my mind is like you know what if I'm ever in trouble I can always run I can yeah. always run I've always got an escape route it's okay like if I run I'm probably going to get away and you're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's good news. Like, no matter what trouble you get into, you're off. You're out yeah, there. Yeah, I'm can, like, look, I'm gone. gone. Yeah, um, like, you can sort this out. I'm bye. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And you talked a little bit earlier about getting into the schools that you wanted to get into and all of that. And I know for me growing up, it was really important to have the balance of a normal, as normal as it can be, life with school and working hard on that, making sure you get your GCSEs you want and the A-levels you want. Because I always wanted to have something to fall back on. Like, was that something that you found to be extremely important? Because I know you did very well in your GCSEs and A-levels. And you got into a lovely university too. Yeah. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, it was something that was very important to me. Yeah, as kind of like a fallback because primarily because that's how I saw my life at first. I didn't always know that I was going to be able to be yeah as good as I wanted to be in track and field. And also as a person, it kind of just helps, I think sport is so fickle and whether that is your flavor of the month and then you're not so popular the next month or you step off the curb and you twist your ankle and you fractured it god forbid in like 65 billion places and then you can never run again you just never know when your uh, last race is going to be but if you know that there's more to you than just the sport that you do then I think it does kind of give you a little bit of confidence yeah as a human being being like I choose to do this because I'm good at it and I like it but it's not all that I am and I think in turn, that kind of makes you a more confident athlete. But um, yeah, also, it's, it's just me, like, you know, you just got to mm. mix it up. <laughs> Did you find it a help or a hindrance to have school and sport and being able to juggle it all? Was it something that it was a good escape or was it just a challenge all the time? I think it was definitely very challenging, but I think I wouldn't change doing it at all. I think definitely like doing my degree and like not splitting it and just kind of going in, it was definitely challenging. That's probably the bit towards the end of that. I'm thinking of my final year at uni, which was like, yeah, I, I went to Rio and stuff and did like two world championships whilst I was at uni and indoors and stuff like that. So that was definitely challenging to balance that and like mainly your stress levels and performing well in both aspects is very challenging. But again, it's something that I don't think I would change. I do know that it's simply not for everybody. So that's why I don't ever just blanket tell everybody, oh yeah, go and do it because everybody's different. But um, I think definitely it teaches you how to multitask, to time manage, to prioritize and just all those key skills that unfortunately in adulthood we all need. <laughs> 
<laughs> sport is what teaches you that though right Those, like you learn so much from sport with like you're saying the time management the goal setting the being yeah. able to like stay focused on one thing at a time mm -hmm. but then be able to do other things and you studied history, history. right yeah That's pretty like what made you choose history um I think I chose history because I realized that a I could study anything I wanted because history basically is just like anything that happened like yesterday backwards. Yeah. So <laughs> I yeah, can literally yeah. just do anything. <laughs> so you, if you want to like specialize in more legal history or medical history or this and that, you can find your way through uni and do that, and then you can convert to something else. So it was still quite an open book to do. But I also found it very interesting just looking at. I think to understand like the future and where we're going, you have to understand where we've come from. And I also know that I had at this time when I was signing up for uni, I had so many friends from around the world and so many different cultures. And it kind of just opened my eyes to wanting to know more about the world itself and just what other people have been through, what other people's perspectives on life were. And I thought that, yeah, history was a great place to do that. And I loved it. Like wouldn't change that at all. I love that. And you did your dissertation on is it the history of jazz music is that yeah right? kind of yeah so I did my dissertation in oh my gosh so I focused on it's kind of like branding but with jazz throughout history it was very complex actually well I mean say complex but I'm going to explain like one line it's <laughs> <laughs> great that's, that's something that that, that's a good way to explain it it's a good way to explain no, it not but I focused on the brands or like commercial images of like Duke Ellington and Louis Armstrong because they're both remembered by like modern day people in like very specific ways and I wanted to look at whether that was accurate to who they were at the time and and if not why and how do we remember and how do we think like yeah those influential jazz figures of the past how much control do we give that person over their brand image and whether it was made for them whether it was accurate and but it do, was very cool. Do you have any musical ability like when no. you're... I used to play the trumpet oh, wow. and euphonium I mm. wasn't great wasn't great it might be a while but like it wasn't great the day that I quit my parents were like thank god I'm waiting for the day when my son wants to do a musical instrument and it's just like as long as it's not the like if it's the drums it's just going to be constant drumming and that like you know you pick your instruments <laughs> I'd say that's what my parents did they like pick your instruments and I think they expected like keyboard piano flute I was like tuba they were like what the <laughs> hell they were both just like are you sure and I then, love um, that. Yeah, and then they wouldn't let me practice that much because it was quite annoying. Then I was like, I'm kind of shit now. And then they were just like, yeah, okay. But, <laughs> but I, I love that. I love that your parents allowed you to like explore so many different things, whether so it's sport, whether things. it's music. And yeah. what was your relationship like with your parents growing up? And what was their stance on it all? I think obviously as you get older, you're very, you just become more reflective on like the upbringing that you had, whether for better or worse. But I am infinitely grateful that I did have the parents that I had, mainly because my parents have always said the most valuable thing that they can give me is time. So it's not necessarily money. It's not necessarily all these things, but it's time and wisdom and growth and learning. So we did spend a lot of quality time like with each other. So I did do loads of different clubs. I think I was a very hyperactive kid. So I do still think that they used to put me in sports clubs to like kill, like, you know, when you get home and they're like, great you're exhausted dinner bed <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah because I used to dance and do all these kind of things but um I also used to like play mini golf in the garden like with my dad and like play hockey in front of the house with my mom and just they always be racing me and also like just making sure just extracurricular wise I just had every opportunity because I think yeah they believed in time and they were very grateful that they could provide those opportunities for me so they didn't take it for granted at all 
Yeah, I know that's really, it reminds me of like my dad and that, like that support and that now being a parent, I realize how much time and energy and effort that like our parents like dedicated to our sporting career because it's not just as simple as dropping you off, there you go, off you go. It's like all of the things that go into it, the travel to competitions, the travel to events, the training, all of the, the food and the, like it's- The equipment and standing in the cold waiting for you to be done mm -hmm. and making sure that you've got hotels overnight everywhere like it is very much a very big lifestyle still while like maintaining a home and making sure that you've got your homework here on time and this and that and you remember the friends names and you remember the birthday <laughs> presents are here you know like all these yeah. just little things and it is just it's like having three jobs at once then like whatever job you have on top of that so um yeah I'm infinitely grateful for just all the effort and time that they kind of put into me now, you grew up in London, you were born and bred in London, right? How was the experience of having an Olympic Games come to your hometown, essentially? Like, what was your, any of your memories from London 2012? It was phenomenal. I remember I was a kit carrier because my local track, my local athletics club, 2012, they wanted to make sure like the young people got to be part of it. So like loads of clubs got to help and volunteer. So my club got it. And I was like, look, I'm going. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, we were kit carriers for many events and we managed to kit carry on Super Saturday, which was Oh, so wow. special. I know, especially for track and field. We were literally trackside when all of that was going on. And I still, to this day, I've never heard anything so loud in my life as being inside the stadium that day. Like, it was insane. And it was kind of like, I think that was about the year before I um, had that moment of, oh, I could do this. So I was already like a junior international, but like I was still like, you know, school, uni, kind of just see where it goes. And I was really inspired, um, definitely inspired by like what was happening on track and what was happening in front of me, but mainly inspired by being in London. Everybody has a memory of London 2012. Everybody was affected by it, whether they knew the athletes or not, whether they liked sport or not, they all kind of remember being moved by moments that they saw. And if it's Super Saturday, everybody, everybody in the stadium, some people were crying, some people were doing all these things. And I just saw that um, if you work hard and dedicate yourself as an athlete with fortunately the talents that you've been kind of given, um, you can really create some really powerful memories for people. You can inspire people and you can like, I know it sounds a bit soppy, <laughs> but you can really make people smile and you can give them a moment. And I think that, that that's a very unique opportunity to some industries. Yeah, that's what really pushed me on, I think. I think that's the beauty of sport as well, isn't it? That it kind of like goes above all kind of like political divides, no matter what country you're from, wherever you like you. There is always a memory around sport that you can get behind and certain sporting moments where you're like, oh, I remember exactly where I was and what I was doing. And to be there as a kit carrier and then to think that the next Olympic Games, you can like there's, then the next yeah. Olympic Games and then am I going to be at the next Olympic Games? It's mm -hmm. all of those little things that can give you those little moments of inspiration to have been able to be inside it already is is pretty awesome. And I know I know you've been with the same coach since you like you first started. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah, we had a period where like I was still I went I was with a different one, but like I didn't really leave. They're all still in communication and but, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. You <laughs> got like, like yeah, kind of pretty much. Yeah, yeah, like I literally all right. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm like chill well, out, chill out. <laughs> but well, no, like same track, just like a different group, and like he was still like very much involved. 
But um, yeah, pretty much been under his influence, I would say, since I was eight years old. Like, how do you keep it fresh? Because for me, when I was with the same coach, I almost got too comfortable with my coach. And then I got to a point where I was having these moments where like I didn't quite know when I could push back, when I could say, yes, this is a good thing. This is not. And it all became a little bit stale what is the the key to a great coach athlete relationship in, well would you say? i think i think it definitely depends on just the like the coach self like i'm really fortunate that i know my coach john really really well and we have a good relationship where we i think we both respect each other's voices because sometimes i'm just like I, i'd like like i want this i want this to change and then he'll think about it like <laughs> and then do it or he'll think about it critically and come back and be like i hear you this is the reason why we do this but like we if you want to we can we can investigate this this do you know what I mean like there's always a dialogue there's always a way to just evolve and I think that's the most important thing because at the end of the day particularly I mean we're both in individual sports but definitely coming from sprinting like you always have to find a way to just get the best out of yourself so that is yes making sure that you're as fast as you can be as strong as you can be or and you're as physically optimized and efficient as possible but also mentally you have to be you have to be happy you have to be motivated you have to be focused and you just have to be kind of firing on all, all cylinders and I've just always been grateful that John really gets that yeah and he just listens really yeah I've known him for so long I don't think anything's ever like out of bounds it's just respectful I think so mm. yeah we really get along <laughs> and what is it that like while you're training that keeps you happy because I know like from my past experience you know there's days where you want to get up and get to it and there's days where you know it's going to be difficult but you get up anyway what is it that keeps you going and keeps you in that happy place you know what I think I'm really strange I always get asked this question but I sometimes and I'm not saying it's like the most healthy thing I'm just being honest I don't really I just see it as like something I've got to do like I love to brace I love the adrenaline rush so I just don't I listen to my body and how I feel because if my body's not feeling it, then, you know, ultimately that's a no. But I don't always consult how I feel about doing stuff because I've just seen like if you do the hard work, you do the sessions, you do the precision, you stay focused. If John wants me to, I don't know, get like a little bit more off the ground or this earlier or move my arm or whatever he wants me to do, I just do it. And I just... I just don't think, like, I think we do all have days and we're like, oh, yeah, I'd much rather, like, be on a beach right now. Like, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like, I yeah. think 99% of people. But it's just like, if you want to be the best and you know what it takes, then just get on with it. That's the way I see it. I'm not really much of, like, a big, like, complainer, I don't think. So, yeah, I just think I'm I'm quite naturally motivated, maybe. I But I think the honest answer is I just don't check in that often yeah. I, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I completely I completely get you because I've had a similar experience because when you're in that training mode you realize all those little one percents that you're doing that maybe other people aren't those one percent add up and then all of a sudden you start making those moves forwards and I know that you had one year in particular where you broke so many records and you won the hat trick at the European Championship and it was just a year that I feel like was quite defining in your career, but like, how did you have the mindset to be able to switch it up a gear, if you like? Um, I remember before that, it was quite interesting because the year before that was my final year at uni. So that was like the first year that I was ever like not studying and actually being a pro athlete. Yeah. And the year before I broke my foot, and that was probably one of the most challenging things that I've had to like overcome simply because I had to finish, I was doing my dissertation, I was doing all these things and I did break my foot 
like quite badly, had surgery, got screws in it. And that was five months before the World Championships. And I remember that loads of people were like, just forget about it, like you're not going. In, in, not in a rude way, but it's just like, no. And I was like, well, I want to try because the World Championships were in London. And not only did we make it, but I like came fourth. It still burns me. It came fourth in London World Championships by like eight hundredths of a second, which burns considering like I didn't run for like however many months. And then we got a silver in the relay, which was cool. But um, I just remember coming off that and being like, Dina, you did that and you like literally genuinely were in a boot for like most of the year. It's one of those things where it's like you genuinely can do like very amazing stuff, but like just hopefully you'll get a break mm. and you won't break your foot again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But also it's sometimes it's just like believing in yourself and having that little extra bit of self-belief and I remember that European year I actually went to Commonwealth Games like a few months before in Australia and I did well but like obviously we were peaking for the Europeans later in the summer other people were able to target that so you do like not run as fast as some other people at that moment because that's not the moment you've prioritized in the year but I remember just being so frustrated and like rolling my eyes and being like oh my gosh like yeah so I was really pushing through into into Munich and I was grateful that it kind of yeah worked out very well (laughs) yeah (laughs) Um, but I mean I guess it always comes back to that like the body achieves what the mind believes in a way like if you like if you're injured you take the time to spend time on visualization and other mobility things you don't necessarily have the time time. for yeah exactly Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Would you be able to take me through what it feels like just before you start a race when you're like approaching the start blocks? Because it, for me, it looks like it's like <laughs> really intense and everybody's like peacocking. Everyone's like doing all these things. Like, how is that? For me, it's my favorite part. Okay. It's like, yeah, it's like, because, because I always know that I've done the work, I've done the training, I'm very precise and I'm very focused. It's one of those moments where it's just like, let's just go and do it. And particularly in a major championships, like I really love major championships. It's just something that I'm really good at. I'm really good at like running the three rounds and kind of pacing myself, negotiating my way through. And it's just something that I find really fun. Whenever I step onto the line, I just think it's, yeah, it's thrilling. It's kind of like, you know, people always talk 
beforehand do you know what I mean like like every everything people always like talk and they say things there's always people that have said something acted some kind of way or whatever and it's like the talking's like done like you can't hide from the clock so it's like when the gun goes everybody might have said or they believe that they've done the work they believe they've done the training but like if you can't do it in that moment it doesn't really count and for me I just think it's yeah it's really exciting it is quite intense not in like a stifling way I think in in just a very focused way people are just in that moment doing what they need to do to perform to the best of their ability and as long as everybody's able to perform to the best of their ability then you know Mm. the race is on so do you have like a mantra that you go through in your head like is there anything you say to yourself just before the gun goes and like or is it as quiet as you can get your mind quiet as you can get your mind for me and like my coach normally has given me like two or three things to think about like throughout the course of the race and I'm just thinking about what my coach has told me to focus on because time and time again I've worked out that even though I might not like it all the time he tends to be right mm. so <laughs> he tends yeah. to be right coaches I know a long co- time. coaches annoyingly are, are yeah, like that aren't they like oh things where it's like if he if I actually just listen to him and do what he says yeah. I tend to actually win so (laughs) the times that I normally just don't do what he says the times that like he's like why would you do that that's not what I said and now you're not happy but um yeah I just kind of just focus on whatever he's told me and just have faith that I've done the work and Mm. I've done everything that I can do to get to the line in the best possible shape and whatever I put out in the next few seconds is everything I've got that's all you can do that's all you can do that's what my coach always (laughs) says to me she always uh, the funny thing is she always has very almost running specific cues in a weird way because she always tells me to stay in my own lane which is i guess oh that's a track thing (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. stay stay in your lane that sounds familiar then i'm like wait why does it sound (laughs) exactly (laughs) like divers don't have any lanes we're not swimmers we like do all crazy things um but she always says to me stay in your own lane and just execute because like diving like um sprinting in that you know if you're in a 100 meter 200 meter race it's it's just you it's just you and the track like anything that anyone else does around you has no impact on what you're doing and is that something that you've been conscious of trying to like let go of the uncontrollables if you like yeah I'm, yeah you can't fuss about what you can't control like I've just I think John got that out of me pretty early in my career like because some people like they love to fuss about the weather like in track or like where the wind is or what's happening and it's like look if the weather's crap they're still going to run the race so just get over it. <laughs> but um yeah for me it is just about execution I know particularly people get bored particularly with sprinters and everybody just comes and talks about oh yeah I just wanted to execute get my race right but truly that's the only thing that's going through your head because you have to get your race plan right whether it is under pressure whatever the circumstance whether the gun goes and the girl in the lane next to you is taking three steps and she's a meter in front of you and you're like oh yeah exactly (laughs) but you've still got to execute your race plan irrespective of whatever is going on around you what the circumstances leading up to the race has been yeah that's it really just get it done yes are there any like (laughs) of those techniques that we're talking about there like in terms of mindset and preparation that you use not just in sport but you're able to take them outside of that into your everyday life yeah like I think sport's given me so many tools for just everyday life I think attention to detail is one and making sure that if you've got a job to do, you're doing it properly. Being mindful of your own energy levels and how that influences how you talk to people, how you manage people and how you interact with people. Because as an athlete, you're always hyper aware of like when you're tired, if you haven't slept as well, or even like, yeah, if you've eaten loads of sugar, if you're a bit more anxious, if you've had coffee or whatever. And I think that that 
handy to have that knowledge of yourself when you interact with other people as well. I think it makes you a bit more of a kinder, more mindful human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like just the mood that I'm in right now might not be reflective of the world. So let's just <laughs> keep it yeah. cute. No, I, but, totally. um, yeah, exactly. Let's keep it cute. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, also just kind of being in the moment and being very present because ultimately, yeah, when you're an elite sport and you've got, you've got less than 10 seconds, you've got like what one, two seconds to make your mark and like potentially change your life being present in what's happening with you and right in front of you is essential and I think particularly in a time of like social media where there's so many like things going on all the time distractions news is always on a constant reel of everything I think sometimes it's a blessing to be able to just be in the moment and enjoy life for like what it is and Mm. I think that's definitely a skill yeah that I've taken from sprinting that's something that I think I've one of the things that I really learned later on in my diving career was being in the moment and staying present because I used to find going to the Olympics when I like in particularly London 2012 and 2016 for me were you work so hard for those one mo- like that one moment and then you you want it so badly that you almost torture yourself through the whole experience because <laughs> you don't want to mess up and you want to get it right. Yeah. And it's like not fun. I know what no. you mean. And it's like, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. And then you get there and it's it's normally fine. But then if it doesn't go to plan, you're literally like, I gave everything for this. Yes. And you're like, I literally turned every stone I had. Mm-hmm. What went wrong? Yeah. And sometimes, ironically, what you need to do is just chill out. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and just totally. chill out and it will go better. Uh, yeah. yeah. Because I in 2016, I had that a similar moment. I was really happy with how it went with the synchro event. And we got a bronze medal. And then the individual, I thought I was going to win an Olympic gold medal. And it all went. To, I didn't even make it to the final. Completely bombed out. Had one of the worst moments in my sporting career. And that was something to that was really difficult to come back from. But, you know, as an athlete, you have to learn to be resilient. And... Every athlete has been through ups and downs and injuries and all kinds of things. Like, has there been other moments? Like, for example, in Tokyo, I know you were injured as well. That was and so annoying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, and tell me about that. Thing, it wasn't even like a big one. It was like a fascia injury. I don't know if you like know. It was like tiny. It was just awful timing. It's one of those ones where it's like, if this happened in November, nobody would even, we would just, as a team, it would just be like, oh, okay jog for like a week and then get back to it but obviously when you're in the middle of the season everything you're like a formula one car everything makes like a really huge difference but yeah I truly actually think it took me quite a long time like I tend to bounce back to, to certain levels kind of fine but I think like like everyone and I think very much like the pandemic and everything it made lots of things a lot more difficult so I think it does sometimes take some time for you to just be like breathe reset and like go again but I think that is the thing about sport I mean there's always another race there's always another opportunity and there's always another opportunity to shine just because something doesn't go as planned in the moment it doesn't negate the fact that you've done all the work that you're very good at what you do you're talented and all those general very important like bullet point headings it just means in this moment it kind of sucks and you can like lick your wounds and then just get on with it there's always another race you've got to just keep it moving sometimes and learn what you need to learn so it doesn't happen again but um still sometimes things are just unfortunate so just kind of chalk it up to the game and keep it moving 
No, yeah. absolutely. I mean, you still got you still got a medal in the in the relay yeah. in Tokyo, yeah. which is which is awesome. Yeah. But because when you are an athlete and you know what you are capable of and what you know that you can do, if you don't quite live up to it, even though like for the, when you look back on this in the future, like I know I now look back at Rio 2016 and think, well, you know what? I still got a, an Olympic medal. That's still pretty bloody cool. And it's just you don't realize it when you're in that moment because it feels so demoralizing and degrading because it's that four years of training or five years because it's yeah, for Tokyo. Five in the pandemic. Yeah. Oh. Training. Oh yeah. Honestly, it was grueling. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's why when I'm not competing, I spend so much time in a world that's like with just like my friends from like school and like genuine people that you know, like me for me, as in like the person rather than just being in this sports bubble all the time. And I spend so much time with like creatives and stuff like that. It's because I think people that come from a different walk of life just really give you a fresh perspective because people are just like, you run really fast. That's super cool. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in sport, quite rightly, because we all do have these big targets and we all do want to like achieve these big things. But sometimes like when you're in the industry, there's just so much like, hinged on these major things and it's almost like if you don't get it then it's like why are you here like do you know what I mean but like that's it's not the reality of the situation that's just a very kind of unhealthy way of seeing what we do like it's a bit soppy but like truly what everything is about is is all about the process and the journey and just having fun exploring yourself and seeing where you can take yourself and if that means like incredible things amazing times congratulations but if it doesn't and it means moments it's the countries you've seen it's the mistakes you've made it's the laughs you've had along the way then that is also what it means for you because ultimately this is like a phase of our lives and I think yeah me spending a lot of time in different industries gives, gives you a really healthy perspective on like what it means to be an athlete and what it just means to be excellent at something and you kind of take it all yeah just a bit lighter you chill out and you're very much more grateful as well when it really does go according to plan as well yeah to and it was actually something you said to me when we saw each other recently at a Vogue dinner we were talking about how like you know as an athlete you kind of you base your self-worth almost on how well you do and being able to do stuff outside of it is great and to realize that we are more than just athletes and we are, there's more to us than how well we've performed. And just some of the things that you do outside of sport, I mean... No, it's more you than me. But yeah, but you I mean. were talking That's about me in that instant. Yeah, I was talking instant. about you. I know. We can talk about you. Even though <laughs> no. I don't interview me, we can talk about you. No, 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 no. <laughs> You're about to go red. No, no. <laughs> I am. I'm blushing. I'm like, no, 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 no. I was, I was about to go on to about all of the amazing fashion stuff that you've done. Like oh, how... I'm just having fun living my life, you know, Tom. <laughs> I, I know, I'm I'm living my best life. I mean, I haven't exactly. set foot on a diving board since Tokyo. I know, uh... that's what I, think I was saying, honestly, and I'm here for it. Go yeah. and enjoy your life. You sacrificed yeah. so much for so long. Just go and smile and enjoy it. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, it's been a lot, but it's been fun. I mean, it has been fun. Yeah. But I mean, I've seen you've been in, you know, music videos with Dave. You've had a, a Barbie, like, recreated after you. Like, all of these amazing things. Tell me a little bit more about some of your passions outside side of being on the track yeah. you know I think I'm still very much in that process of like still I don't know fully learning who I am and 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 what kind of makes me tick but I do I really love kind of just the creativity and of of the fashion world I think mainly because it's not like for me it's not just about oh what am I wearing it's not that kind of side of it but I think maybe coming from something as linear as sport where it's just like did you hit the time or not 
like what what split is this like is this fast or not is it good enough or not yes or no and I think that there's something really beautiful in being in an industry maybe it's more like the arts industry where you can produce something that you've put like your heart and soul into and is it everybody's flavor of the month no some people just don't get it but some people can even though they it might not be something that's for them they respect and like appreciate your different perspective on something and I think that like it's just not so black and white. So I really enjoy that world. I love to write. I'd really like to write more, but very much like got a lot in track wise on my plate. So <laughs> focusing on training right now. And yeah, I'm very keen on just using my voice to make sure that particularly young women have, whether it's coming through sport, understanding their bodies or stuff like that, they have an easier time of it than, well, I mean, I didn't always have a particularly tough time of it, but it's just like, we're making sure that we're serving our young people well whether that's on track off track and with their understanding and their own self-worth and self-esteem so there's loads of things that I'm into but you know as most 20 somethings I'm also like figuring it out along the way yeah (laughs) I completely understand that form of self-expression through fashion and through creativity and through art and I've also been loving all of the stuff that you've been doing for like research on into the menstrual cycle as well for athletes. And I think that's something that's really important to be able to do more research into that to understand what it's like to compete in those stages. And what tell me a little bit more about what you've been doing to help with that. Yeah, I think it's just really important that we make sure that if we truly want sports to be equal and we truly want everybody every single body as in like everybody's body to perform to the best of their abilities then we have to throw ourselves into it and understand fully what it takes for that person to perform and that's whether they are a man or a woman and when it comes to women competing in sport understanding that we're not like little men you can't like place the same model that like some things are interchangeable but like 99% of the time it's it's not going to quite work and I think there are a lot of people particularly in the elite sphere that are talking about that more and more which is is great but I just think yeah if you want to make everything equal then you do truly have to cater for everybody that's doing it and um, making sure that the conversation is one that's open and there's not judgment or like, you know, where people go, oh, she's just moaning. It's like, no, no, it's for some people, this is a really big deal. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's great. And before we get on to our made with love letter that we get to at the end of each podcast, how is your training going right now? Like, how are you it's feeling good. towards Paris? Good. I'm excited. Yeah, It's mad it's that good. it's next year. I, I know. I actually just think like every year since like 2019 hasn't happened (laughs) I know know it sounds crazy but I think the pandemic's thrown my sense of kilt off I was saying like a month ago to my like some of my friends I was like we did like a little girly spa day so like some of our athlete friends like it was a lot of fun and we were like can you believe it's gonna be Paris next year they're like honestly don't start like emotionally I'm not done with like being so anxious at Tokyo that like we were gonna test positive before you got in and like that level of anxiety like we need still like to release and make sure that we're all okay with that yeah it's mad that it's next year but yeah no training's been going really well I'm about to start doing indoor soon so I'm really excited I haven't done indoor for like in earnest for like years and years and years because yeah pandemic focusing on other stuff blah 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 and I just really want to try and run some really quick times like I'm, I'm very excited it's been it's been a very good training block yeah. for me this winter so I've just been yeah training living life doing the Great. best that I can do it's exciting 
I'm excited. Yeah. I'm so excited for you. And it's also, <laughs> and, you. Because I think lots of people don't realize if you're not in the world of sport is that the hardest thing about the Olympics is getting to the start line. Oh yeah, hundred percent. It's when you're, is, when you're there, it's just if you're there and you're in shape, you're just like, like just I can guarantee, it. like eighty percent. Okay, this is obviously a stat that is just off the top of my head. Like it's not real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm sorry, please, <laughs> please, yeah. just don't quote it for sure. But like, so many people have come into that and just like with various hurdles, whether that's physical hurdles, mental hurdles, life hurdles to kind of overcome. So getting there and getting there in one piece and ready to do your best is such an achievement. Yeah, it just makes it really exciting that it's coming around soon. Yay. Great. Um, So at the end of each of the Made With Love podcasts, I ask my guests to say a a little letter, say a little speech addressed to somebody, someone, a thing, a place. So I would love to find out who or what or where your letter is addressed to. My one is actually where I train. So it's a place called Norman Park. And it was an interesting choice for me because uh, I think you could easily do it like parents, coach, but like this one's a bit different. But um, it's in my mind because we recently got like a new multi-million pound facility there. So it's gone from, yeah, they've all worked privately really hard to get it. Like the people at the club, but they wanted to do something for like the young people there for like the last 10 years. And it's amazing that like they finally getting that. And I probably would say to that and just the whole community that surrounds that, probably a massive thank you, not only from me and who I am in my own development but also like the hundreds and hundreds probably thousands of kids that have kind of grown up in that environment and it's not from a sporting perspective but I think it's like who you are as a human being like it's kind of like this really calm kind of nice place where it's not like a judgment place that you can come you can mess up you can trip over like the amount of times uh, my coach has said go and like I've gone to run and my shoes fallen off and I'm just like oh my god like (laughs) so many embarrassing things but like everything is just really nice it's a really good vibe and there it doesn't matter how good you are like you've got casual runners you've got Olympians and everybody's just kind of really friendly and non-judgmental and it's really nice and the people that work there are very kind always willing to go above and beyond just to make sure people have a safe and a good time when they're there and um, often it's volunteers as well so people that aren't necessarily paid and I think that people like that really do make not only make the world go round but also they really help young people realize their dreams because if it wasn't for that kind of support and just the selflessness the parents the people that give up their weekends and their time to invest in young people that particularly sports like track and field they wouldn't have the talent they wouldn't retain people at all so probably just thank you to everybody there because they really do deserve this big new facility <laughs> and yeah and also they deserve to yeah just be recognized because they work really hard and it's a really nice environment and I think it's it's very special I've trained across the world I've done lots of different things but um they've got a very nice environment around there which really really I don't think should be taken for granted so mm-hmm. Just hearing that is amazing because good training facilities and having a good team around you makes such a world of difference. And I am so excited to see how it goes in the build up to Paris and beyond and everything you have inside 
on the track, off the track, everything. So Dina Asher-Smith, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to see your next chapter too. See how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) See what you want to do. Yeah, like who knows? It could be anything. I might might be in space before you know it. Oh my (laughs) gosh. I'll be teaching aliens how to knit. (laughs) I don't know. Oh, that would be funny. Yeah, I mean, that would be good. Yeah, (laughs) we will see. Things took a slightly strange turn at the end there, but I really hope you enjoyed that chat with Dina. Her perspective on things is super refreshing and I find her no-nonsense attitude really inspiring. If you feel the same, don't forget to share this episode with your friends and on socials. I can't quite believe it, but we've now come to the end of series one. But don't worry though, after a short break, I'll be back with more wonderful guests talking all things made with love. If you've enjoyed the series, though, please let me know by rating and reviewing the show. It'll really help more people to find this amazing community. As ever, Made With Love was hosted by me, Tom Daly, and produced by Emma Roberts for Spiritland Productions. Our engineer today was Rich Andrews, and our assistant producer is Nadine Peters. Let's catch up in a few weeks when I'll be in New York City, kicking off series two with a massive guest. But until then, make time for the things you love and take care. I'll see you soon. 